The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Welcome to part two of your running backs preview for 2020. Adam Azer here. Dave Richard, you're, we know you. We know you. We know how you feel about running backs. Welcome back. Thank you. That was well said. Good intro there. Heath Cummings and Ben Gretcher here. Heath, how are you feeling about running backs this year? That's fine. Yeah, I like him okay. <laughs> All right. And Ben, I gave a little love to the uh, running back dead zone yesterday. Uh, not as well as you could, I'm sure. But I pointed out how disappointing the round three and four running backs have been the last couple of years. How's it going? How do you feel about running backs? I don't like running backs. Oh, none of them? Oh, but I just I don't like running backs. <laughs> what do they, I don't like what them. What do they do? You've been hurt. They don't backs. matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see which ones you like. We'll see which ones you like as we go through the show. I Basically, don't want to draft them. An ADP review here. on uh, For us, it's Monday afternoon. For you, it's Tuesday. And remember, we have Twitch tonight. We're doing a PPR mock draft on Twitch. I'll tell you more and more about that. First thing I want to do, first exercise we're going to do here is uh, four different spots. Whoa, 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 whoa. Exercise? I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> not after your App State joke yesterday. I know you did not oh, sign up for this. Thank you. Yes, okay. By the way, Dave, I almost wore that shirt today. That would have been really weird. <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, amusing. Yeah. It would have been amusing if we had the same shirt. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash today. Okay. I'm giving you each a spot in the draft. You're going to tell me, based on average draft position, half PPR from Fantasy Pros, how would you approach running backs? Just give me an example of maybe one way to do it. I'm going to give myself the first pick since I had the first pick last weekend in the flex draft, or I guess two Saturdays ago at this point. Um, and I'll tell you how that went. That was an industry draft. I gave Heath, I think, the fifth pick, Ben the eighth pick, and Dave the twelfth pick. So here we go. First pick, how do you approach running back? All right, you're taking McCaffrey number one. If you have the second pick, you can take Barkley, Kamara, Zeke, whatever. Um, but you got your stud running back. So this was a 12-team league. It was three receivers with two flex spots, and it was half PPR. Uh, in round two, you know, running backs went pretty er, went pretty early. So the best available were James Conner and Melvin Gordon, in my opinion. Fournette was off the board. Aaron Jones was off the board. Todd Gurley was off the board. But uh, I just went with Juju Smith-Schuster and George Kittle. And that means I'm going to be a little bit weak at running back, but I'm okay with that, especially to get Kittle. Round one, McCaffrey. Round two, Juju. Round three, Kittle. Round four, I did not get much luck in this draft. Jonathan Taylor went three picks before my pick to Jamie. I took Devin Singletary, and I took Tyler Lockett at the 4-5 turn. So that gives me two running backs, two receivers, and a tight end, my first two picks. I really wanted Ronald Jones at the end of round six. He went to pick before me, so I took Marlon Mack. Doesn't feel great. And then I took Brandon Cooks. Now I have three running backs through my first seven picks. Um, I finished with Daryl Henderson in round eight, uh, A.J. Dillon and Josh Kelly later in the draft. Uh, McCaffrey, Singletary, Mack, Henderson, Dylan, and Kelly. 
it's not great. It's not great. I went back and I reviewed it. What could I have done differently? What could I have done better? Look, personally, I think that taking James Conner 24th or 5th overall instead of George Kittle or Juju would have been a mistake, would have been a reach. So I don't regret those picks. Maybe I could have taken J.K. Dobbins instead of Marlon Mack. Maybe. That might help me later in the year. It's not going to help me earlier in the year. Maybe I could have taken Philip Lindsay. This is probably where I could have done a little better. Philip Lindsay instead of Darius Slayton. Something like that. Yes. Yeah. Or maybe Zach Moss instead of Darius Slayton. But remember, it's a three-receiver league and catches count. Yeah. uh, This is actually... The way that you describe that is is like... I would love to respond to because the, the the two situations where you said the guy you wanted didn't go or excuse me, went just before you. And so you just took another guy. That's the exact situation where I think it's wrong to take a running back in those rounds. Like that is, that is, if you want to talk about a mistake, in my opinion, your mistake is that you still stuck with running back, even though there wasn't the running back that you wanted, like where you didn't get Ron Jones, but you took Marlon Mack. You just take another receiver there. You get strong in a different, but that's what I do. You get strong in another position and you understand you can build up. You take an extra one later and you, and you hope that you get one of those late round hits that, that uh, vaults forward just because of an opportunity opening up for them. But running back's a position where that can happen. And I, I think so many drafters, that is the natural thing. And the, the how extremely running back unfriendly I am in drafts is so uncomfortable when you're doing it. And so many drafters do what you just described. That's, I'm not trying to say like you did something wrong, but that is like the crux of, of the way that I think about it when I draft is like, don't just chase it because it's a position that you need to fill. Okay. Do well, you think that's oh. easier to do though because he had McCaffrey first, Ben? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Right. Then you're only you filling the McCaffrey. second spot. Okay. Right. Well, hold on. Because it's not okay. like I completely hate Devin Singletary and Marlon Mack, who are the two running backs that went after sure. the guy. Like, I like those guys enough. And you do need some running back depth. Look, Sometimes you have to take unexciting players because you're going to have bye weeks and you're going to have injuries and you need eight points to get by. And the waiver wires stinks. So I don't completely regret the picks, but I, I get that philosophy. Okay, let's go to the fifth pick. Heath, how would you... This was a real draft. I'm going to let you... Um, unless you have a real draft you want to draw on. Otherwise, using ADP, how would you structure your team at running back? And this is the problem that I have when we talk about half PPR in that like I know it's a nice mixture of the two formats, and so hopefully it will apply a little bit to both, but it's also, of the three, probably the one that's used the least. And so looking at half PPR ADP, like Michael Thomas is fifth, Derrick Henry is sixth. Well, if it was a PPR league, I would take Michael Thomas, and I just wouldn't get a running back in the first round. If it was a non-PPR league, I'm definitely taking Derrick Henry in the first round at fifth if he's there. Um, in the second round, again, looking at this ADP, I'd be pretty thrilled to get Kenyon Drake, Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders, and they're all showing they should be there in the second round. The fact is they're never there in the second round of the drafts we do. I don't think they probably are going to be there for you either. So I'm probably taking Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. Okay. And then, okay. All right, fine. So you have maybe no running backs in your first two picks, or maybe you have Henry and Kittle or whatever. Well, if I have Michael Thomas and Travis Kelsey, then I am completely fine having no running backs. Now what? Now you're going to have to be like, I think there are running backs available in round three that are worth taking there. I'm still a pretty big fan of Chris Carson. Um, and I'm pretty happy to get him in the middle of the third round. I'm okay with that. So that's probably the guy I'm targeting if I don't have any running backs. If I've already taken a running back, I'm more likely to take DJ Moore or Calvin Ridley in that spot in round three. Um, 
But again, round four, James Conner's there. I think James Conner's an awesome fourth round pick. So I'm perfectly happy. So if I start my draft with Michael Thomas, Travis Kelsey, Chris Carson, James Conner, I've got two of my top 15 running backs, my number one wide receiver and I'm number one tight end. Fantastic. What if you can't get Carson and Connor? Who's your backup plan? Um, there's not really from the fifth spot. I don't think there is another running back. I would take in either of those two spots. What about Jonathan Taylor? I would not take him in the first four rounds. I would rather start with Michael Thomas, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Travis Kelsey. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, then I'd feel great about that. And then I wouldn't really hate if I got Dak in round five. Okay. Then who are some mid to late round picks that you're going to be taking? (laughs) Like there's, there are, and that's the thing is, it's very true that there's this group of elite running backs that I kind of think probably runs out before you get to the end of the first round, but we're expanding it to go into the second round um, that are true difference makers and hard to make up for if you don't have one of those guys. But there's also a ton of running backs available after round six that I am fine with starting with. If I have guys like that, I would in this type of situation, I'd like to have one of like a David Montgomery in full PPR round seven or eight, I'd love to have one of Tariq Cohen. What I want is two guys, maybe Marlon Mack or Carrion Johnson, that I feel like I can start weeks one, two, three, and then I want a bunch of lottery tickets. You mentioned J.K. Dobbins, um, Daryl Henderson, um, Chase Edmonds, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison. I want those types of guys as long as I have two that I feel good about starting week one. All right, let's go to the eighth or ninth pick right around there, Ben. Uh, I'll give you that draft slot. How would you approach running back? Yeah, tough spot in drafts this year. I would probably, because I, I thought it was interesting he didn't mention Cook, but I, I have Cook still at five in, in this format or, or, or wasn't was looking at either Thomas or, or Henry. And, and as soon as those guys are gone, and Henry's n- not a consideration for me, uh, even in half, P, half PPR, so at eight, it would be as soon as those other five backs are gone, the, the, the four that we agree on and Cook, I'm going to be going to either Thomas. Um, for me, it's Tyree Kill at number two or Devonta Adams if, if Hill goes really high. And then on the way back, probably getting my RB1. I, I, I don't hate taking an RB in the first two rounds. Um, but certainly at the back half of the first round, when you're not getting one of those elite running backs that, that Heath was talking about, it does become a little bit more more precarious. And so I think in this scenario, probably I would get one, but I could also see what he just said as being my structure. You, where don't I don't think, take any. Uh, you don't think Miles Sanders or Clyde edwards Elair is elite or Mixon? In half PPR, I think they both get dinged a little bit. I, I like them both. Um, and no, I don't. I think they have elite upside. I don't I don't think of them as elite picks. I think they have. Um, okay. They're my, they're my RB6 and RB7 in PPR, but I don't think of them as elite picks. In, in the second round, I, I might go with one of those guys if they were there. I mean, probably if they were there. Uh, if not, like a Chubb or a Jacobs and half PPR is fine for me. And then basically, yeah, from the third, and I know I've taken Jonathan Taylor in a ton of drafts. I still really like Jonathan Taylor. I still, uh, I, I will say that um, the discussions that we've had have made me recognize that kind of my path for his ascension it's probably more of an upside path um, where he's getting plenty of work early in the season because they're soft early season schedule. And then he's earning a huge role in the second half. That's probably more of an upside path. And more particularly as we get closer to the season and I'm seeing what's happening in baseball and some of these other sports, I I'm sticking to that idea that running back the most opportunity based position is the one where 
um, the the later round picks can gain the most value just by getting thrust into a, a starting role if somebody has to miss time. We already know running backs miss time at a high rate anyway. So I don't mind having, like Keith said, loading up on lottery tickets, having a whole running back room and not late round, not 16th round lottery picks, but like from like round seven or eight through round 13, where we can get a lot of those guys he just named, or, you know, I would stretch that to include Boston Scott, who I love and Darrington Evans. And there's several names. If I get a a whole running back group of those guys, it looks like I have no one to start in week one. And I understand that there's concern about that. Um, Ideally, like he said, you'd you'd want guys like Philip Lindsay or whoever. Zach Moss is another guy to throw in that group. Antonio Gibson is going in that range. But how, but how are you getting there? Like, give me your first five rounds from the eight or nine spot. Okay, let's say I take Tyreek or Adams. Doesn't matter. And then I'm going to take one running back in the second round. In the third round, I'm probably trying to get DJ Moore if he's there. In the fourth round, I'm trying to get AJ Brown if he's there. Uh, in the fifth round, I'm taking another one of those receivers. You know, if Singletary was there, when I was talking about the Singletary pick, I don't hate Singletary, but I I would not even put him anywhere near the available receivers that are there. When you just think about it in raw terms, like feeling a good starting spot. If so, if Tyler Lockett's there, if he's not Diggs or or those types of players, Terry McLaurin, DJ Chark in the fifth. And I'm loading up at receiver. I'm probably addressing tight end at some point. I might take Mark Andrews, depending on where he goes. Uh, I, you know, I, I could make the case that Keith made, uh, Heath made about taking Kelsey or Kittle in the second round. Um, and then, yeah, just loading up on a lot of later round running backs. And it, that strategy is, <laughs> it's the eight slot, but it's kind of applicable to where I'm drafting from anywhere. All right, Dave, let's go a little old school here and maybe show a little bit more love to running backs because <laughs> Heath and Ben are uh, are risk takers. They are. What, what, uh, no, but, all, right, all right, I'm sorry. What did I say? What did what, I say, Heath? Like, running backs are still the riskiest position. A That's first very two, true. Not in a the first, first two rounds. Not Not that bad in the first two rounds. Yeah, but they could still break down. Of course. The same look, how did they do last year in the first two rounds? Camps. They did pretty well last year. I mean, it was it was kind of disappointing because Barkley and Kamara got hurt. I get that, but um, well, that's part of, that's that's the big part of the risk because they are more likely to get hurt than they any are. Other position. They are, but they're also they're, they're also more likely to be great than any position. I'd say, you know, Le'Veon Bell was a first round pick last year. Le'Veon Bell was a first or second round pick. Yeah, he was a huge bust. I'm. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly what happened last year, 2009. David Johnson was another one, and obviously somebody got traded, but that's a good example of someone who was valuable because of the size of his workload and the running back workload can just vanish. And uh, he got a little injury, and first it was really Chase Edmonds. I'm just going to tell you what ADP was. Barkley, Kamara, McCaffrey, Zeke, David Johnson, James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, Nick Chubb, round one. Round two so that's, was... That's more misses than hits. Uh, yeah. Okay, round two was was very good though. Cook, Gurley, Mixon, Fournette, Carson, Damian Williams. That's five out of six finishing in the top fourteen in half PPR. So that's really good. And then overall, I mean, where did David Johnson go? I thought he went in the top. Like he did. He was a round one pick. Oh, you sent him in round. One. Yeah, he was a round one pick, and that was unusual because the the two previous years round one was a lot better than that. I mean, those guys basically had to get injured to be bad. I'd say or. Yeah, except for Except for, well, except for Le'Veon Johnson. Bell. Except for Le'Veon Bell. David John David Johnson was a top ten running back before he got hurt. That's the point though. As soon as he got banged up, his backup performed well enough that they were like, you know what? <laughs> he, so- he was valuable because of his opportunity. He was an yeah. inefficient runner. He was adding value in the passing game. So he was a bad pick. Sh- he shouldn't have taken a guy who who was bad who basically got lucky with workload the year before, averaged like three point seven yards per carry. It was a bad pick. But 
you know, running backs it's that really go It's really easy first, in hindsight to say the bad running backs are bad picks. I'm Even just the saying. First round pick. First, the first two, I look, I laid it out on yesterday's show. The first two rounds are typically pretty good. They are. Ben, you've even made that point, right? I mean, that's where the Yeah, they have better hit rates for sure. Yeah. So Than they're the a little risky, but it's hard to find it's hard to find running backs. You take this strategy, like last year, the strategy that Heath and Ben just laid out probably lost. Probably was not a good strategy last year. That's not true. I don't agree. I mean because I did the, it and the, won leagues. Yeah, but the the elite <laughs> wide receivers that we all consider so safe every year, they were not good last year. And where were those high upside running backs that paid off last year? I mean, yeah, it didn't happen as frequently last happen, year with the right. high upside backups. All right, Dave, you're picking 12th. What would you do? Well, first and foremost, I think the last five minutes of this podcast have really laid out the very first thing that every fantasy manager should do before they go into their draft. And that's look at a list of running back rankings and find out where you're comfortable. Everybody's going to feel comfortable with the first four guys. And I think most people will feel pretty comfortable with Dalvin Cook. But how comfortable would you be starting Clyde Edwards-Elair Clyde Edwards as your number one running back? Or Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, Eckler Drake, those names. Aaron Jones, we talked about him on Monday's podcast. Is, is that somebody that you'd be really cool starting? How do you feel about Connor, Carson? And then you go all the way down to Gurley and Melvin Gordon. The fewer running backs that you're comfortable with the sooner you should draft running backs in, in your fantasy draft because at the very least you want to have a team where you like your players and if you go zero rb then at least you know hey look i like a lot of running backs later i want to be safe early on all right you're comfortable with that you know that and you'll be okay starting marlon mack and jordan howard for the first couple of weeks of the season but you've got to be comfortable. You got to know what you want here because at wide receiver, you're going to find somebody worth the value in every single round tight end. We've already outlined it. A lot of names out there that we like quarterback deeper than ever. If I'm picking 12th and I've got those back-to-back picks, I've got to come away with at least one running back, but I can't say for sure I'm taking two because I know a, that there's going to be an elite wide receiver there. And according to the ADP that we're looking at, Julio Jones is still there. And I'd love to get him. But if Tyree Kill makes it that far, I'm going to take him along with a running back. Miles Sanders, ADP that we're looking at, Fantasy Pros, half PPR. He's going 21st. He's a first-round pick, regardless of format. He's going to be great this year. I'm comfortable with him being my first-round pick. So if I start my draft with Miles Sanders and a stud receiver, and I can come back in round three, and I'll cross my fingers that one of Jones won't be there, but Carson or Connor will be there, I'm loving it. I'm happy. And if they're not there, then I might have to make a decision between Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley. Maybe there's another running back that I'd consider. It wouldn't be Jonathan Taylor. Sorry, Ben. But it could end up being receiver tight end or receiver receiver. And I've got at least one running back through my first four picks. And whether you go hog wild on running back early or solo RB where you're only taking one stud and then you'll worry about that second RB later on. I think those are the two best paths to take. I think that they protect you from having to fumble through running backs all season long. And it, it also will save you. It'll, it'll save you some face because a lot of teams in your fantasy leagues are going to have very good running backs, very startable running backs. And the reason why I gravitate toward them is because they have a chance for 20 to 35 fantasy points per game. You've got to start two of them. You can't say the same thing for wide receivers. They don't have as much upside on a per week basis or a per season basis as running backs do. I want to get that position loaded if I can. Okay. And I'm just going to say, looking at the flex draft, 
the the guy who had the eleventh pick, he took Clyde Edwards Elair and Austin Eckler. And then he took Alan, then he took Allen Robinson and Robert Woods. I mean that and that's exactly my point. Is that you can still get two very good running backs, and is that half PPR or full half PPR? Half PPR, three receiver league with two okay. flexes. I, you know, you're going to prefer those guys in full PPR, but at least you're getting something out of them in half PPR. And the receivers that you got in rounds three and four are great. Yeah, no one should complain if Allen Robinson and Robert Woods are your two starting wide receivers in a format where receptions count. And you're only two starting receivers. You got to start three and you got to start flexes too. And then he's got Stefan Diggs as his third and he's got flexes. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's got Cam Akers as a potential. Well, okay. Um, and then how many the, more receivers does he have? So you, you, you named his first three, go through yeah. his other Clyde Edwards, Delaire, Austin Eckler, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, Stefan Diggs, his first five picks, the other receivers, uh, CD lamb, Steven Sims, Corey Davis. Let's look at the 12th okay. pick of this draft though. The 12th yeah. pick also went RBRB. Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, AJ Brown, AJ Brown, Amari Cooper. So that's another way you can start. I'm not going to go through the whole team. No, but I think you're going to see a lot of teams go with two running backs to start this year. Yeah, because people fear having to start a running back that they're not comfortable with at some point during the season. And it's going to happen to somebody. If half the teams in the league are going to go running back, running back, all these running backs are not going to stay healthy all year long. And, and maybe that's just the point that Ben is really trying to hammer home is that the fragility of the position should matter, but everybody's going to have six running backs on their team. Everybody's going to take shots on late round guys. It's, it's the fantasy manager that hits those late round guys and, or hits on the early round running backs. That's going to coast to the fantasy playoffs. I just want to, Heath, I want to bring you back in because I feel like I cut you off earlier. This strategy of taking late round flyers, the Pollards, the Edmonds, the Madison's, Madison gets a little bit more work. Um, the problem I have with it is that it could depend on your bench size. And you could have injuries early in the season, and you could have a, a roster crunch. And how can you justify taking someone who's literally giving you one or two points is strictly on your bench as a, I'm hoping someone else gets injured. This is a nothing but upside play. It's Sometimes it's tough to justify keeping them, and you end up having to cut them. So that's why I don't want to go too heavy on it. And What, what do you think about that? Adam Heath just stepped out, so let's throw that question to Gretch. All right, Heath's <laughs> yeah, Heath's no, West I think it's Coast a great question, win. and I think yeah. in shallower bench formats, like some of the ones that we play, we played in it with some of our CBS leagues last year. I think it's a lot harder to execute this. Absolutely, hundred percent agree. Won't disagree with what you just said. There was five bench spots uh, in that format. It makes it a lot more difficult. And part of what Dave just said is every team's going to have like six running backs, and and whoever hits on the late round running backs. Part of my strategy is just based on bulk. We don't know who the late round stars are going to be, or we'd be drafting them higher. If you draft five of them compared to someone else drafting two late round running backs, you immediately have a greater chance of, I mean, even if you're not better at picking players, you have a better chance of one of them hitting just based on the fact that you have significantly more of them. We don't know where the injuries are going to come. We don't, it's, it's very unpredictable. And so there is something of a, a, you know, taking multiple bites at the apple approach to that. Right. And you know what I'm going to say? Do both. Get the running backs early, load up on them later. You don't necessarily have to carry a lot of bench wide receivers. And I'm fine with that. The two the two yeah. starts that Adam just read with the two running backs in the first and second round, I'm not opposed to that. I'm I'm not that's not the my issue is in the like the third to the seventh or eighth. But those those teams went running back, running back, where we're still in the top fifteen, where we still trust a lot of these backs, and then they went straight to receiver. I'm fine with that. 
Yeah. Okay. Me too. Well, I thought we were going to get into ADP quickly, but this turned out to be a pretty, I think, useful, helpful conversation with some different perspectives on how to draft running backs. And look, I guess we're just kind of sitting there waiting, waiting for, for football to come back, right? And oh, and Heath's back too. That's good. But uh, look, this has been a very different summer. No question about it. Social distancing is, is changing summer quite a bit. A lot of things that we love doing are being postponed or canceled, but summer certainly is not. And if you still want to chill this summer... Get yourself a Coors Light. Coors Light wants to make it easier for you to chill this summer and give you a break from the stress and the pressures of daily life. And I know that Ben Gretsch knows what I'm talking about. Right, Ben? Yes. Yeah. Coors Light is the beer to chill. Uh, my my one thing that I've been doing to actually get out and, and enjoy the summer a little bit has been playing a lot of golf. I played twice this past weekend. And every time I golf, the beer I turn to is Coors Light. Uh, it's amazing when you see that the mountains of blue have their new summer can that features sunglasses that also literally turn blue when the beer's cold enough and ready to drink. It is the most refreshing beer. You guys all know what it tastes like, uh, when you're out golfing or when you're at home playing on a poker night on Twitch, like we've been doing all summer. So it's definitely the one that I choose when I need a moment of chill. And so when you want to reset this summer, reach for the bill beer that's made to chill. And, and no nasty aftertaste. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank goodness. And you can have Coors Light delivered by going to get.coorslight.com and finding local delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Okay. Well, hey, Heath. What's going on? Hey, we missed you. <laughs> <laughs> did you really, though? Like, I did. I think I, I, you don't know this. A lot this, of but people I, wouldn't I, even known. I asked you a question. And I didn't know you were gone. And then Shraggy B was like, you know, well, we have here. this messaging system set up for in show where we send each other messages. And I always pay attention to your messages. No one else does. But I always pay attention to your messages. I just thought you would pay attention to mine. I, I saw one at the end of the last show, but the Zoom call closed. And it said it was from Heath and it said, he's not going to see this. And I'm sure whatever message he, he was talking about was probably directed to me. And I didn't see it. I, um... I, I uh, Oh, Dave just sent me a note. Alvin Kamara said he tore his knee in week six and was dealing with it the whole season. Well, that's not true, Dave. He was dealing with it after week six, but fair enough. Uh, so <laughs> we know that about Kamara, and uh, we're about to talk about him because let's get into our average draft position uh, review here. Fantasy pros have PPR. There are a few that really stand out as ones that I don't think we really believe, like Miles Sanders going 20th overall, but maybe. I mean, I think he's a first-round pick now in a lot of leagues. But maybe he's maybe he's the back end of the round round two. I don't know. But here we go. Here are running backs: McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, Kamara are your first four picks. Then Michael Thomas, then Derrick Henry, then Dalvin Cook. Maybe Dalvin Cook. I, I'll double check right now. Maybe Dalvin Cook is ahead of Henry in PPR, but in half PPR they're essentially tied. And yeah, Cook is actually Cook is for some reason ahead of Kamara in PPR. Don't really understand that. They're basically tied. Well, well, I think I think what you have to recognize is, and it says it on the site there, their half PPR rankings come from a different site than their PPR rankings, which come from a different site than their non PPR rankings. So I'm it's a, not just format. But I'm looking at ADP, is not rankings. Yes, different. Yes, I, no. I I believe that's the same. I believe the CBS rankings you see on there are under their non PPR rankings. Uh, probably. All right. The ADP. ADP. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, you got your your top six running backs are McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott, Kamara, Cook, and Henry, uh, with only Michael Thomas mixed in there. 
do we have anything to say? Look, we did a Everybody is a Bust episode a couple weeks ago, so um, maybe, I hope you all heard that. But do we have anything that we want to say about this? Is there a player or players that you're avoiding? Anyone that you like more than everyone else? You know, uh, Heath, I'll give you the first, If as long as you're still here, I'll give you the first word. I believe the biggest discrepancy we have would, between Dave and I is with Ezekiel Elliott, because I know he has him number two behind Christian McCaffrey. I think I currently have him number five. Um, it's really interesting because he has been super consistent and remarkably productive on a per game basis, basically always. But last year, a really high touchdown rate hid that they changed the way they used him a little bit. His carries were down about 10% from where they've ever been on a per game basis. His targets were not where they were in 2018. And Tony Pollard's pretty good. I think he's going to at least touch the ball a few times every game, which wasn't always the case with Zeke's backup. I don't know, unless he scores all those touchdowns again, that, that he's going to be a top three running back. But all those things happened last year, and he was still an incredible fantasy running back, and he was still super consistent. And you could say the touchdowns hit it. Guess what? It's not like he's about to go to zero at touchdown. He's going to score a lot this year. The offense is tailored perfectly for him to do exactly that when they get in the red zone. Defenses are going to be in a bind against this team. Yeah, he might lose three or four to Dak over the course of the season, but he's been doing that every single year. I think he's as safe and consistent as it gets. If you're looking for a safe, consistent running back, Ezekiel Elliott is it. So why doesn't everybody just give me your top five running backs? Uh, Heath, I'll let you start. And we're doing half PPR? Why don't you tell us the difference in formats, I guess? Like, I've got this in this format and this in that format. Okay. Yeah, no problem. In non-PPR, I have it McCaffrey, Barkley, Henry, Zeke, Kamara. Woo! And then Cook? And then Cook. Yeah, right, Cook well, is we'll do top no six. better than sixth. Yeah, Cook's, Cook's sixth and boasts for me. I just think he's, like Dave talked about how safe Zeke is. I can't imagine someone being riskier than uh, Dalvin Cook is with his injury history. In PPR, I go McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, um, Zeke, and then Cook, and then Henry. Okay. So we're going six, yeah, not six, five. Six. Dave, you're next. Non-PPR. Uh, it, actually, it's the same order, non-PPR and PPR, the first four. McCaffrey, Zeke, Barkley, Kamara. And then once you get to full PPR, uh, Cook will be five and Edwards Elaire will be six in non-PPR. And I'll probably lean this way in half PPR as well. Derek Henry, five, Dalvin Cook, six. Ben? PPR, I have McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, Elliott, Cook, Edwards Elaire. Non, I don't actually have <laughs> ranked anywhere, but it'd probably be McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott, then Kamara. I think I would put Elliott ahead of Kamara and non um, that would be close though. I like him here quite a bit more for some of the reasons that he said, then cook is going to stay five for me, uh, in non maybe Derrick Henry six, but I probably would never take him. Well, Jamie's basically said that, you know, and when we say never take Derrick Henry, it's like, we know how high he goes. So we're, we're just not going to take him in the first round, which means we're not going to get Derrick Henry. So that's what Jamie said. Ben, it seems to feel that way too. Heath. Uh, we, as, I don't want this podcast to be the anti Derrick Henry podcast. So why don't you be a little more pro Derrick Henry? He is an incredible specimen on a team that if they have their way, will run the ball as much as any team in the NFL. They are not going to be as good as they were last year, but they went to the AFC championship game with this approach. So I expect them to be pretty stubborn. I don't think they're going to make a massive shift 
three, four weeks in if they're sitting at two and two in terms of their run pass volume. And so I still expect he's going to have more carries than anyone else. He's going to be above average on a per carry basis. He's going to score a ton of touchdowns and he's going to catch somewhere between five and 10 more passes than he did last year and probably break one of those for like a 75 yard touchdown because that's what he does. And nobody wants to tackle Derrick Henry. <laughs> uh, okay. The concerns would be Ben. What are your concerns? That he doesn't do any of those things, including <laughs> catching five or 10 more passes. I want to hear that explanation because the Titans GM, John Robinson, after the draft talked up Darrington Evans specifically about how his skill set translates to pass blocking. I don't think they have any interest in Derrick Henry catching more passes. He's never caught 20 passes in a season, and I have no idea why he would. I caught 18 last last year in 15 games, and I have him throwing 20% more passes. So I would expect he'd catch a couple more as well. Okay. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any type of big jump here in receptions. I mean, I've talked about it on previous podcasts. Ben, you just said it. They've had him for four years. You'd think at some point in the last four years, they'd say, let's get this big guy involved in the passing game, and they've never done it. And he told us he's trying to earn his coach's confidence to get that role going. And Darrington Evans, shifty running back, good hands, can play in the slot. He's he's going to take whatever big receptions bump Derrick Henry wishes he could have. And then, Adam, just the other concern with this rushing, he wasn't a particularly efficient rusher. or, or I mean, he was, he was efficient. He... Um, he wasn't putting up a ton of points, especially in PPR scoring through week nine last year. Uh, in the second half of the season, when the whole offense clicked, he was obviously a monster. But when you separate out how he did that during that stretch, he was averaging 6.5 yards per ret, uh, per rush from that point on. He was averaging a, a crazy amount of carries that would put him on pace. I, I had it somewhere, but I don't I don't remember how high that I, pace was. I got gotcha. you. He, so he, um, well, he had 152 carries in seven games. So that's well over 300 carries. His first eight games, Henry was the number nine running back in non-PPR, number 12 in PPR. He averaged only 3.9 yards per carry. He might be just a guy that gets better as the year goes on. I mean, that's kind of been a a theory on him, and it's certainly held true each of the last two seasons. But um, there's an argument, Ben, I think for and against. Let's end it here uh, on Henry's. We have a lot of running backs. Because you're right about those first eight games. People kind of forget that. He was not great. But he still was top 12. He was ninth in non-PPR, and he was 12th in PPR because he had 151 carries, and he had eight, only eight catches. But that's still... I mean, I don't know. I I could see it both a positive and a negative there. Like, you could say, look, he averaged less than four yards per carry, but still got so much work that he managed to be top 12 uh, in, non-P- in PPR. Not per game, though. Probably worse than that per game. Uh, all right. Anyway, that's Derrick Henry. So let's move on in the first round past that group. And uh, we've got Joe Mixon, RB7. We've mm-hmm. got Nick Chubb. We're actually, Mixon is the last in the top 12. He's going 10th overall in between Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, Austin Eckler. Instead of even bothering with ADP, I could see these guys really going in any order. Uh, so Mixon... Oh, Clyde Edwards-Elair, late riser, so he's not here. He's not on this list right now, but he's certainly in this group. Mixon, Clyde Edwards-Elair, Miles Sanders, Drake Eckler, um, Chubb, Mixon, Aaron Jones. I think that's pretty much it. 
Dave, what's your take on that group that's probably going to be late round one into round two? I think the majority of those running backs have 1,400-yard, nine-touchdown potential, which is great. We'd love to have that on your squad at the end of the year, but there's a couple of them that I think can be better than that. And the two that stand out to me are Edward Zilaire because he's in Kansas City, because he doesn't have Damian Williams' major competition anymore. His closest major competition is DeAndre Washington. I think it bodes very well for him to do a lot of the things that he did at LSU for Kansas City and an offense that just makes it easy on running backs. And I think Miles Sanders is in a position to to benefit from playing in Philadelphia, and he's not going to get every single snap, but he should be somewhere around 60 to 65% of the snaps. He's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. You could really tell that he was a better runner, a more patient runner uh, toward the end of last season. His on pace over his last eight games was over 1,500 yards. He was the first running back in, in Doug Peterson's history as head coach of Philadelphia. It's only a four-year history, but it's still a history where he had over 1,000 total yards on the year. And I think the sky's the limit for him, too. So those two guys I look at as easy first round choices in non PPR and still pretty easy first round choices in PPR. If if you hear those names and you hear my argument, and you're still not sold, then you're probably headed toward Michael Thomas in the first round. Yeah, but it could be more like you're headed. You don't have that choice. You know, Thomas might go before them. Are you going to take Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill over Miles Sanders and Clyde Edwards? Either? Right. That's the personal choice that fantasy what are you managers have do? to make. I'm taking the running backs. Okay. I'm taking the running backs over Michael Thomas and PPR too. I just I've got to I've got to take my stab at a player who's got that kind of upside. Michael Thomas is great I, upside, but I'm I'm gonna go with the running backs first. And here's something I was looking at. Like Michael Thomas scored more fantasy points than all running backs except for Christian McCaffrey and PPR last year. And we don't think he's going to score as much. Devontae nope. Adams' pace over the past two seasons was more fantasy points than any running back besides Christian McCaffrey scored last year. I I don't think those guys, like, I am on board with those first four, maybe first five um, over the wide receiver. With Clyde Edwards Elair, who I agree has enormous upside, but a, a ton, a ton of downside. And, and again, I, I go back to the thing. I don't think you can win your league in round one, but I do think you can go a long ways towards losing it. You know, it's interesting comparing the running backs to Michael Thomas because in PPR, like PPR, Michael Thomas in 2018 averaged 19.7 fantasy points per game. Um, he was blown away by McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, and Kamara. I mean, Kamara, McCaffrey, and Barkley all averaged more than 23 and a half, 23 and a half or more. So they crushed them. So it's like, I don't know. Do you, do you kind of average out the two things? Like in 2018? Uh, well, no, those, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not comparing him to the, like those, we've all agreed those four are ahead of Michael Thomas. Okay. I'm not trying to make the argument that he's better than those guys. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I guess it probably was a silly detour. Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon. Uh, like him, love him. Go ahead. The later we get in around one, the more I love him. It, just in general, though, I mean, like I love Miles Sanders this year. Sure. Do no, you, I think I think Joe them? Mixon. I think Joe Mixon showed us 
the, in the last eight games of last year, just how impactful he can be in fantasy and how good he could be in Cincinnati. And I think Cincinnati upgraded its offense this year, not just a quarterback, not just having AJ Green. Do you love him, Dave? Do you have the passion? Are I you guess, fired up? I guess I am finding it in my heart. I am. It's beaming throughout my nostrils that I love Joe Mixon. I need to know who you guys love in this group. Ben, I know Solaire, Miles Sanders, and Kenyon Drake for me are in their own tier. Uh, from six to eight in PPR. And then the rest of them are in another tier. I, I go Mixon, Eckler, Chubb, Jacobs, Henry, Aaron Jones, but I don't really take any, any of those guys very frequently. Yeah, it's um, Chubb, Sanders, Drake, and Clyde for me. And in some order, it changes almost daily. <laughs> Chubb, Sanders, Drake, and Clyde. Okay, so you're not... Wait, what about Eckler? I yeah. didn't think he said Eckler. I thought he was in the next group. No, oh. no. This. Okay. I'm sorry. Eckler is by far my favorite of this group. In any format or just in PPR or what? In in PPR and in half PPR. In non-PPR, Chubb is my favorite of this group. What do you think? Like Eckler has had a lot of work when Melvin Gordon's been out each of the last two years. Uh, I'm thinking something like 17 touches or more per game. Uh he averaged 20 touches per game last year without Melvin Gordon. And in three games without him, he aver- in 2018, he averaged 17. So uh, do you think that's realistic? Are we talking 17 or more touches per game for, for Eckler? Well, if he does, th- if he gets that, then I'm probably even still too low on him. <laughs> right. it, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Well, yeah, he might just be, I mean, he could have his worst year efficiency-wise ever, and he probably will. Um, but it's not like last year was the first time he was ever extremely efficient. He always has been. It's not just, I mean, it's efficiency, yes, but it's also the touchments. I, I, I think for Eckler, you, you have to recognize how much of a difference Philip Rivers to Tyrod Taylor is in terms of his potential targets. We've talked about LaShawn McCoy and Tyrod Taylor's past before. McCoy had 50 and 57 targets the two years that they had Watkins and Robert Woods, even remotely decent two receivers downfield. Um, part of that's just because Taylor, his 16-game pace as a starter was about 100 passes fewer than Phillip Rivers. There's just a ton fewer passes to go around. Then McCoy had one big season where I think it was like 77 targets he led the team with. Eckler had over 100 last year. He caught 92 balls. I think even if Eckler has more targets than McCoy ever had at any point, alongside Taylor as the clear lead back in Buffalo, you're still not talking about, you're still talking about a substantial shift from Russia to, uh, from receptions to rush attempts. And that's a huge difference in the potential fantasy value of those touches. Okay. Let's go to the next group here. Um, wait, wait, real quick. Just want to go around. I want no more than five to 10 seconds. Thoughts on Josh Jacobs becoming a superstar, fantasy superstar. It can happen. I, I'm a little worried about the reception total being very high for him, but if he can keep it together for 16 games, he's the Raiders lead back and he'll be great. Ben Heath. I agree with it. Okay. Heath. 10 seconds on Josh Jacobs. No, I think we're having some issues there with Heath's. Connection. I don't know. It sounds like a typical conversation. between <laughs> you and Heath. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next round. Ben, you can uh, go get, get a drink of water for the next five minutes. I don't think you're drafted any running backs uh, for a while yeah. here, but, but we'll see. Um, Leonard Fournette, Chris Carson, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, James Conner. How about that group of six? 
not necessarily going to be round three. Some of them are going to go into round four, but some of them are going to be in round two. As we said in the flex draft, uh, Fournette and Gurley were in round two. Fournette, Carson, Gordon, Gurley, Bell, Connor. From what I gather, Connor and Carson seem to be the favorites there. Dave, does that feel right? Yeah, that's how I feel. I, I, I'd be nervous that a lot of people are going to draft, uh, particularly Fournette and Bell, because of past performance. And they remember Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh, and they'll say, there's no way he can be as bad as he was last year in New York. And the, the, the reality is he might see less work this year than he did last year. And Leonard Fournette, he's, he's definitely going to see less work in Jacksonville now because the coaching staff does like Rock Armstead. They added Chris Thompson. He's going to help on passing downs. And they tried to trade Leonard Fournette, and they found no takers. So... By them trying to trade Leonard Fournette, you don't try and trade a player if he's good. They didn't think he was good or worth keeping on the roster long-term. They didn't want to give him the contract extension and all that. Maybe they think he's an okay back. But 31 other teams in the National Football League said, now we're good. We're not going to give you what you want for Leonard Fournette. Okay, so what does that mean for Fournette? Maybe he gets traded before the season or in the middle of the season, and maybe it ends up being a really big windfall for his fantasy value. Or maybe he's stuck in Jacksonville with a coaching staff that's just like, meh when it comes to Leonard Fournette and they they're either going to, you know, plow him between the tackles. And then when it's third down, he's out of there because the new offensive coordinator trusts Chris Thompson as a pass catcher, or he just doesn't do well, period. And you're left holding the bag on him. Fournette was good. Once upon a time, I'm worried that those opportunities that helped make him good aren't going to be there for him in 2020. And Ben, I understand your philosophy is to sort of avoid this group, right? Not going to be, Yep. But if there was anyone here, Fournette, Carson, Gordon, Gurley, Bell, Connor, anyone that you think could be really good this year? Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be receptions and touchdowns and a little bit like offense related. I think Gurley's situation is the best um, and think that if he's able to stay healthy, if his knee is not an issue, he has the best chance of this group to have a really big season. I, you know, they threw to Devonta Freeman a ton. Devonta Freeman is a little bit probably better of a pass catching back than Gurley, which is kind of a little bit weird to say because of yeah, how talented Gurley yeah. is overall. But Gurley was among – there was an article today on 538 in separate separation generated. He was among the worst in the league. And he just kind of went out into the flat for the last couple of years as a pass catcher. He wasn't doing a lot. Um, much better earlier in his career. But I, I think if he gets some of that back, he gets a little bit of a, a spark back in his step and he's doing some of the things that Freeman did in the past game and is able to convert in, in close, which he, he's always done with the Rams. He even scored double-digit touchdowns last year. Yeah. That's the one here, and that's the offense that I would target out of all these veteran backs where you know his, his competition is not great behind him. I, I think he could really hold on to a, a big role all year. But you can take the, the big points in what you just said about Gurley and apply it directly to James Conner. And say that if he stays healthy, he's in a great spot too. His offensive line is great. His offense is good. They're going to give him the rock a bunch. And he's got a shot at catching over 50 passes. He's done it before. He was on pace to do it again last year. And he was on pace to score 14 touchdowns last year. That's how many girlies scored, I believe. I, I look at Connor as a slightly less risky version of Gurley, mainly because his knees, I think, are healthier than Gurley's knees. And I think the Steelers have no choice. They kind of painted themselves in the corner. As much as you and I love Anthony McFarlane, Ben, I think the Steelers painted themselves in the corner. They're going to say, okay, look, 
James Conner is going to be our guy. Well, I think Benny Snell's in the mix there too. The, the, I would agree with but to you. To what that, degree? To what degree is, is Benny Snell going to be? Well, in the mix? I, I agree with what you said in this comparison completely, except for the point about Gurley ha- not having a ton of backup competition. I think Connor between Samuels, Snell, and McFarland has a lot more competition. Samuels might not make the team. And we, as far as number of running backs in, in competition, I think Gurley might have more. I just don't know if they're necessarily good competition. No, like Heath yeah, Smith is the best name, but they always uh, they oh, Heath has brought this up. I'll speak for Heath since he he dropped out. They always split carries in Atlanta. I mean, nobody's Devontae yeah, Freeman well, has, has been like a fourteen carry per game guy, something like that. I don't remember off the top of my head recently. Um, Gur, you know, and by the way, just to bring up Melvin Gordon's name, I I think Melvin Gordon's got a pretty good chance at fifty catches. You guys agree, too. right? Because he's going to be on there for pass protection. Uh, he he scored eight or more touchdowns three straight years. He's just good at finding the end zone. So he's interesting to me. Uh, yeah, but, it's a suckier offensive line for him. But if you don't, yeah, it's always bad. That could, and that could be trouble for a guy that struggled to maintain a good rushing average. Sure. If you don't like this group, this is why this is why a lot of people are going to take two running backs um, with their first two picks after this group. Mark Ingram, Devin Singletary, David Johnson, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Mark Ingram, Devin Singletary, David Johnson, Jonathan Taylor. We're 24 running backs deep. Do you guys like any of them? Ingram, Singletary, Johnson, Taylor. I'm starting to feel like we're drafting Ingram for the same reasons why we're drafting Fournette and Le'Veon. And it's just he's been doing it for so long. And he did such an amazing job last year. There's five receiving touchdowns last five receiving touchdowns last year. Uh, it's it's hard for me to say, and it's hard for me to believe he'll actually do it again. And J.K. Dobbins being there, he was already sharing to a pretty decent degree last year with Gus Edwards. Now you're adding Dobbins. I'm starting to get cold feet on Mark Ingram, even though it's a really good situation. And you know, there's a running back that you haven't named yet who I like in the same range. And we talk about him every show. We're not going to talk about Rojo oh, Ronald Jones, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the, the hype train is starting to really get going with him. And So you're uh, going to take him here? I'm going to take him right around here. Like, I'm looking at my non-PPR rankings, and I've got Gurley at 18, Le'Veon 19, Ingram 20, Rojo 21. Rojo's ahead of David Johnson, Devin Singletary, Fournette, Montgomery, Mostert in non-PPR. And I, I don't know. I'm kind of starting to feel like he could be better than all of them. I know Jonathan Taylor is the upside pick here for sure. Um, yep. I made a pretty passionate... Taylor I have ahead of all the vets still in my running back ranks. I, I mentioned I'm, I'm shying away from taking him in, in favor of some receivers, but I'm not moving him down. Yet. I made a pretty passionate case for Devin Singletary yesterday. You can hear that. I, you know, I got to be honest. I, I really... I do find myself liking a decent amount of running backs that are going you know, in this range or later. Uh, and it's personal preference for everybody. Like, I'm not going to take David Johnson. I just think the Texans just not been a very good spot for running backs because they don't throw the to running backs much, and you still have Duke Johnson there. Yep. There could be a lot of carries, but I don't really trust him to hold up. I, Dave talked about that yesterday. But, like, right. you know, I can find players in these ranges that I like. Uh, so we go to the next range. David Which is Mo- why it's also... If you like the running backs in this range, you could take two early and then take two receivers and then come back in round five and round six and get one of these guys then. Yeah. just And then you've you, got great running back depth, have, and it's guys you like. But you you have you can still get a great quarterback, but you may have 
lost your chance to get a great tight end, which is fine. You don't have to have a great tight end to win, but... No, you can still find a pretty good tight end after round six. Uh, fine, but you can't find one of the top four. So if nah, we're going nah. into this... Yeah, if we're going into this season thinking the top four tight ends are the, the difference makers uh, on draft day anyway, Dave's strategy of two running backs, two wide receivers, and another running back probably takes you out of the mix for, for those top four, but that's or okay. Or you just take one less wide receiver... And then you've got one of those tight ends on your team because you're going to find a wide receiver later anyway. All right, Heath, let's go to the next group here. Uh, after RB24, David Montgomery, Raheem Mostert, DeAndre Swift, Kareem Hunt, and Cam Akers. Montgomery, Mostert, Swift, Hunt, Akers. Do you like anyone in that group? I like Montgomery okay in non-PPR. I think he's got some sneaky upside just because of, like, he's generally the last back available that's probably going to get 280 touches. And he was super inefficient last year, but I wouldn't expect that to continue. Tariq Cohen was super inefficient last year too, and we don't expect that to continue. So I like Montgomery, especially in non-PPR, although I do think he'll catch 25-ish to 30 passes. Um, Kareem Hunt's my favorite in PPR. I think he's a low-end number two running back, even if Nick Chubb plays all season long. And if Nick Chubb misses time, he's a top five running back instantly. Fair enough. How about Swift and, and Akers here? Anybody uh, want to take a shot? You got to invest uh, probably a fifth round, maybe a sixth round pick in Swift or Akers. Although ADP, I just don't know. This ADP just doesn't really match up to what we've They're been seeing They're going to be right near the 5-6 turn. Okay, so are you, are you comfortable with a 5-6 pick for Mostert, Akers, or Swift? Yes, but there's a but. And this gets into a whole different discussion about handcuffing and insurance policies for running backs. I, I will try and get another running back on the same team if I take one of those three. Mostert's my favorite of the three. I think he's got breakout potential. Uh, I talked last week about him catching a lot of passes. It's probably not going to happen. That was wishful thinking. Swift needs to beat out on Johnson and prove um, that he can get a lot of action on passing downs. It sounds like the offensive coordinator in Detroit, Daryl Bevel, was not over the moon for DeAndre Swift. And maybe he's just trying to stay even keeled when he talks to the media. But uh, it sounded to me like he was very aware that Swift had a lot to work on. Akers has a lot of competition. I'm starting to really like the value in Daryl Henderson because he keeps sliding in drafts. And, and that might be where I land, Adam, is if, if, I, if I decide to go Mostert, I'm going to try and get Tevin Coleman. If I get Swift, I'll go and get Karen Johnson. But if I'm if I can really kind of wait it out and acres is the one that falls the farthest. I would like to get him. And then I know I can wait a couple more rounds before getting Henderson and boom, I've got that Rams backfield. I think locked up between the two of them. Malcolm Brown will be involved, but he might just be a touchdown vulture. And if it's PPR, those guys can catch the football between the two of them. I'll have one that should be okay as a number two running back all year. Next group, Sony, Michelle, he's RB 30, Marlon Mack, Ronald Jones, I suspect Jones is ahead of them now. Um, carry on Johnson. Yeah. Michelle, Mac, Jones, carry on Johnson. Does Ooh. anybody think Jones is not the leader of this group? Oh, not even close. Who's, he's the leader of the group, but I, I don't really share that it's not even close sentiment. Who's, who's, close? who's close to him? I just think he belongs in this group. He's a number three running back that if things go right, he might be a number two. Okay. Do like, you think he's on. more than a number three running back? Yes. In, yes. 
Have you been following any news? Have you yeah, been in a rock yeah. under a rock? I, I, a oh yeah. I, I was I started following week nine last year when Bruce Arian said Ronald Jones was the guy. <laughs> he played a 50 percent snap share twice the rest of the year. Yeah, that, that's not a bad point. Uh, and then they got rid of the guy who he was sharing oh, with. Oh, Peyton Barber's him. gone. Now he's going to be repl- okay. <laughs> and they replaced him with Keyshawn Vaughn and, and LaShawn McCoy. So I think if they really wanted to squash Rojo, they would have done it. And if you're still listening to Bruce Arians, he's already said at the beginning of training camp that Ronald Jones is going to be the lead running back, which is something I, I pretty much figured out just from talking to people close to Ronald. He was the lead running back last year, but that... I mean, but not by a wide margin. I think it's going to be by a wide margin this year. I don't Assuming know why we would think that. Screw up a lot. Well, look, if he screws up a lot, then that's that. And it's, it's all going to crumble and look bad. That's all and he's ever done. No, he's had some really good plays okay, he, as well. But he always screws it up. He has had some great plays. He's always. This guy was the youngest back in his class. Last year was his twenty age yeah. twenty two season. What are you talking about? I'm and I'm forgiving him for his the NFL year. career. Yeah, his rookie he's, year. He's twenty three. Look, basically. we know what happened his rookie year. We talked about it on this podcast. All right, guys. So when you look at Michelle Mack, and there was a tweet I wanted to read from Pat Thorman uh, from Establish the Run that uh, Ronald Jones was the 120th graded pass blocking running back last it's, year and LaShawn McCoy hasn't allowed a sack since 2016. All right, I was just putting that out there. Michelle sure. Mack, Jones, Carryon Johnson. How many of them have top 15 upside? Do any of them have top 15 upside? I like Jones a lot. He's the closest of that group that might get to 15, but things are really going to have to go his way. I I think he clearly has top 15 upside. In non-PPR, right? Yeah. Well, look, I think it could go his way in PPR, too. He yeah. showed he was in the I mean, isn't the he the definition of a trap back? No, because he gets short yardage work. Yeah, he's going to be – well, no, he didn't last year. He got no, very few rushes inside the all five. All of but his he was rushing in- touchdowns were from – ten. no, inside the five or in, really close to the goal line, that went to Barber. Yeah. But inside of 10 yards, all of his touchdowns came from inside of 10. And My case Barber's for Jones gone. is a case for improvement. There's reports that he's worked incredibly hard this offseason, put on weight. He's catched, Thank you. He's yeah. caught tons of balls out of jugs machines every day, whatever. Like, I know everybody's working out work in the offseason. Every single day. All right. Yeah. There's a lot of guys working out during the offseason, but the, the case for Jones is that you still love this talent essentially all along, like, like I have. And now this guy's literally just turned 23 a week ago. That's how young he is. All right. Let's, I understand let's move that he's on. had two, two, uh, two seasons already at the NFL level and disappointed, but he's incredible. Like he's younger than some backs in the squad. He's younger than Keyshawn Vaughn. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. Yeah. So I, I the, the case is that he has now grown to his body and is going to be a very efficient play. All right, let's move on and talk about the next group here. It's uh, James White. I believe. It's Matt Breida, Jordan Howard, James White, Philip Lindsay, Keyshawn Vaughn. That's five running backs there. By the way, J.K. Dobbins, according to this website, is going 110th overall. I've never seen that, <laughs> but uh, sure. Uh, so if that if you can get him 110th overall, that would be a very good pick. But yeah, Dolphins running so. backs, James White, Philip Lindsay, Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, do you guys find yourself drafting any of these players? And we're, we're already at the 100th pick here, so we're getting to the late rounds. I'm not ready to draft Lindsay and Vaughn at this point. Not the other ones, so- yes. Some of these guys I have ranked probably far behind some of the guys we haven't mentioned yet. So you're mentioning that we're already getting to the late rounds, but I don't think it's drying up. All right. So not not a very exciting group, I guess. Brita and Howie, you want to, Heath, you want to give me a quick thought on the Dolphins backfield? 
Yeah, I, I don't mind those guys at all in the situation where I have drafted some upside running backs and want a uh, week one early starter. I, I expect Breida and Howard to both have their moments. And I think like end of round, we're at the end of round eight, start of round nine. That's right about the spot they should go. So do you think, though, that if you're just hoping that they could be week one starters, their first two games are the Patriots and the Bills? Does that bother you? It's not great. Um, I, like, I don't know how to account for the Patriots defense right now. Right, right. They are week one and then Buffalo week two. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's a good point. Um, and Buffalo start loaded lately. They're one of their really good run stuffing D tackles is out. Yep. Also true. Okay. Back to ADP. JK Dobbins at 110th overall, followed by Daryl Henderson and Tevin Coleman. Dave just spoke about pairing them with Cam Akers and, uh, Raheem Mostert, Alexander Madison, Latavius Murray. Yeah, I mean, you are, you are, with Madison and Murray, you are an injury away from potentially a top five back. Uh, Henderson and Coleman, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add there. What are you laughing at? I, I wasn't laughing. I moved, but I, I oh. think they're really interesting. <laughs> um, I wh- One thing I think is really interesting this year is with some of the rookie situations like Jonathan Taylor, you know, we talked about Mac just a minute ago. He's not super exciting, but we talked about top 15 upside. If Taylor were to miss time, if Taylor go, you know, comes down with COVID or or, or something, Mac. Or if he fumbles. Yeah, would have top 15 upside behind that offensive line and that schedule and all those things that I've said about Taylor, they could apply to Mac, certainly. So, um, are, you so some of a, these, are you in a rush to get Mac if you get Taylor on draft day? No, I'm not, but I, because I'm, I'm making a decision already on which way I want the backfield to go for that offense, for that, that team that I drafted. But, my my point with those like the way that ADP is structured this year, some of those veterans are going a little bit later, and you know he's mentioned their good zero running back options, the the Philip Lindsay's and and, who, and whoever. But I also think like they're also handcuffs. Like if something happens to Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay's going to play. If something happens to DeAndre Swift, Carryon Johnson's going to play a lot more. I mean, those guys are all pretty solid picks in that range. They're going to get a few points, and then they're going to potentially get you a lot. All right, so why don't we just finish it with this? Who uh, who are some players we haven't mentioned, or some that we have that you like to target at this? We point haven't named that? a single Washington running back. Yeah, Antonio Gibson for sure. Gibson, um, we we've we've batted around the idea of how many catches he'll get on FFT this week. Uh, I think his upside is seventy receptions. I think he could be a very involved part in the passing game for Washington, not so much in the rushing game because he's inexperienced there. All right, Tariq Cohen, by the way. Tariq Cohen, by the way, in half PPR is going one hundred and twenty fourth. Again, I don't buy that at all. But you take him sooner. Oh, I I I kind of buy that. Yeah, people do not like Tariq Cohen's going like the eighth round in full PPR. So. It doesn't really surprise me that much that he's going that low, and he's a good buy in this format too. All right, he went in the eighth round in the flex draft, which is half PPR. But yeah, that, that feels too early. I would say round ten and half PPR is good for Tariq Cohen. All right, well, that would be 124th overall, basically. Like that's round eleven. So sure. yeah, I would take him. In. I, I I agree with where he went in the flex draft, eighth round. In half you haven't PPR. mentioned Zach Moss yet. He's no. way too low. On, on this ADP that we're looking at. He should be up in that range with Marlon Max and, and Matt Breida's, I think. Okay. All right. We forgetting anybody? How about the Chargers? I still prefer Justin Jackson. I Not- One more guy I'll throw out that's, I think, my favorite late-round guy is Boston Scott. I like Scott. 
I think he's got some decent standalone value because I think the Eagles coaching staff sees a lot of sprawls in him. Yeah. And obviously if something were to happen to Miles Sanders, then the the summer of not adding a running back would really benefit. Do you know Austin who Scott. you know who he reminds me of a lot right now is Austin Eckler. Just like he was behind mm. Melvin Gordon. He's he's small like Eckler, but he's thick. He's apparently a workout warrior. He just sets ridiculous bench and, and squat records. Um and he tested athletically very well. He, he's not too dissimilar from Eckler. And I think he could handle, even though he's only like 5'8", I think he can handle a little bit more. Um, you know, he, he, he got some goal line work in, in the receiving work and could handle a little bit more early down work if something were to happen to Sanders. I think he, he could be like explosive top 10 upside. On the subject of the Chargers running backs, we've, we've he thinks that uh, Justin Jackson is the better one. I think Josh Kelly is the better one. Here's a scary thought for those of you that like Austin Eckler. What if both of them end up getting five to six touches per week to keep that's fine. the load light on Eckler? Eh, no, I, 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 that's what be, I was hoping for. There will be 25 to 30 touches in that Chargers backfield every week at least. Every week. Ooh, okay. I All would right. expect. Okay. I'm going to throw a few more names out at you. Tell me how much you like them. Damian Harris, Ryquel Armstead. I have liked Harris a lot since his days at Alabama. Wasn't that long ago when he was there. And if Sony Michelle can't get healthy, boom, bada, here he comes as a part of the Patriots run game. Great, great late and, round flyer. And if by week two he's not doing anything, you cut him. I'll stand for uh, for Reichwell because I think there are scenarios with Leonard Fournette where he is just not on the team by the end of this season. I don't know if that's you know, uh, disciplinary. He's been disciplined by the team before. I don't know if it's they trade him midseason. Um, but I, I don't think Jacksonville really like they might run him into the ground, but I don't think they're really fully committed to him. If their season goes sideways early, it would not be that surprising if they just decide that Leonard Fournette's leaving as a free agent and he's not their, their running back late in the year. And they go forward with this, this young guy, right? Well, Armstead is kind of their main back. Like who else would it be? AJ Dillon, Jamal Williams. Yeah. I like Dylan. I like Dylan's athleticism. Tom. I do too. And I think that, the the Packers do as well. I've said it before. Matt Lafleur probably sees a lot of Derrick Henry in AJ Dillon, just like Ben Gretsch saw a lot of Derrick <laughs> Henry in AJ Dillon leading up to the draft. And he could end up being a real pain in the butt for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. The same trainer that trains Ronald Jones trains Jamal Williams. The two of them were together all off season long in Arizona. And apparently Jamal Williams has been running routes and catching passes, trying to improve so he can play slot receiver. It's not necessarily what the Packers asked him to do. It's what he thinks he needs to do. And he started sending clips of himself to Aaron Rodgers on Instagram and Rodgers texted him and said, stop sending me it this way. Text me directly. And Aaron Rodgers finally gave Jamal Williams his phone number because he wants to see his progress. I Doesn't think have his phone number? He didn't have his phone uh, number. Jeez, that's like I, Michael Jordan, Steve Kerr stuff yeah, right there. Well, I, or Scotty Burrell, as the case may be. I want to clarify. I, I'm not marrying A.J. Dillon. It's just when I'm looking at those late-round running backs I that need one injury to have a, a huge success, I'd really like to know that like they're the guy. If some if Aaron Jones right. gets hurt, and, and if Aaron Jones gets hurt, I think this is a committee still, and maybe a, right. a worse committee. So I'd rather like that's why I prefer guys like Chase Edmonds, who I, Latavius Murray, who I think if if their guy gets hurt, they're clearly top 
15 running backs. And let's be real. If you draft AJ Dillon or Jamal Williams for whatever reason, and it's week three and they haven't done anything and you need to pick somebody up off the waiver wire, that's going to be the first name you turn to and cut. So I, I totally get where you're coming from on that. And maybe you'd rather spend the earlier pick on a better insurance policy running back like Chase Edmonds. Yeah, I, I want to make a final thought about just the the late round running backs and and, and then I'll I'll sit out the rest of the show. The show <laughs> but over, I, I so. think the difference between these guys is related to what their upside could possibly be. And he just made the point really well. But like I, I just made the case for our right Armstead. I, I think he's basically the guy that would become the guy if, if Leonard Fournette, for whatever reason, wasn't the starter. But we can we can quabble a little bit about what we think their role is going to be going into the season. But there's so much every year in an NFL season, so much churn at the running back position. And particularly this year is going to be churn at every position, right? We, we really want to quantify those 1% or 2% outcomes. I think that's how you want to target these late round guys. And, and he makes a good point on Dylan. He's extremely good, but he might not get all the work. Think about that when you're choosing between these guys. Do you think this guy could be a, a legit star if, if something breaks his way? And my final thought was Latavius Murray in two games without Alvin Kamara had 30 or more touches in both games and had 31 or more PPR fantasy points Boom. in both games. <laughs> he was insane. That is it for running backs. All right. On tomorrow's show, Wednesday's show, uh, we're going to talk futures. And we're going to read your emails at fantasyfootballcbsi.com. If you have any Apple Podcast questions, we'll get to those as well. Please leave us a nice review and a question in Apple Podcasts if you'd like. We've got Twitch on Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Mock draft time, baby. So check that out. And uh, thanks again for tuning in here on Fantasy Football Today. For Ben, Dave, and Heath, I'm Adam. Talk to you tomorrow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.